We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Diving into some Dynasty Workshop topics today with Sean Siegel, Sean's piece each and every time it goes up on the site doing the Dynasty Workshop. I obviously love the baseball workshops as well, Sean, but the Dynasty Workshop is something that people look out for each and every offseason. I get DMs, I get questions asking when are they coming out. Lots of questions coming in recently about different things and the uh, buzz is really building up here as we are only, we're not even finished, Sean. The season hasn't finished, the Super Bowl hasn't even happened we are just ready to finish the playoffs and people are etching to get into the dynasty and best ball content ahead of the 2023 season. So that's what we're here to help fill you and North. And we're going to talk about it on today's show. As we kick things off, Sean, how are you doing as we enter Super Bowl week and uh, get ready to talk some dynasty here? Good, right? I mean, we've got so much stuff going on. We have chiefs eagles so we do have the super bowl column you and i will do a show on that a little bit later in the week it looks like some of those kansas city wide receivers are practicing so maybe they will have some shot against that excellent eagles pass defense we have dynasty going on here you and i have had fun with our team we're getting different trade offers uh, for a variety of players but obviously justin jefferson is highly coveted He's also the reason that we purchased that particular team. So it will take a big offer to get him away from us, but we're always open, right? You never know what type of trade offer you might get that would actually make sense. We're doing the trade series on the site or the dynasty series on the site, the dynasty reanimators. And that has already been a lot of fun in Columbus. You mentioned a lot of folks have reached out saying that they have purchased teams in the FFPC Rotovis Triflex Leagues. So we're excited to all build out our orphans together. Curtis Patrick has an article up on the site talking about an orphan team that he took over and a big trade that he made to bolster the depth and broaden the opportunities on that particular team. Make sure you check that out. We call him, yeah, there's so much stuff going on. We have different best ball drafts going. I'm drafting a team with Eric, who was one of the winners of the contest this last season to do an FBG team. He and I are doing a never too early best ball team. And the start there, Colin, has been so much fun. We've got Cooper Cup, Jalen Waddle, Garrett Wilson, 
and Keenan Allen as the first four. So building our way into a zero. No running backs yet? Start. No running backs yet. The wide receiver values are pretty crazy. We do know from the extraordinary king cap that you could win a million dollars with a zero RB team. And right now, especially with these early running back values, the rookies, people don't know where they're going to be drafted. They don't know where they're going to go. Those players are fun to take a lot of late in drafts. And Colin, that brings me to the other big note is that we had our rookie rankings summit on Saturday night, the late night with Dave Cabin, Blair Andrews, Curtis Patrick, Justin, Ryan, and Angad joined us, did a little mock drafting. So the Rotoviz rookie guy getting very close to publication at this point. That has reinvigorated me as well in terms of looking at some of these players. I've got an article coming out in the next couple of days looking at some second round value, some rookies who are probably going to go in the second round of your rookie draft. I mean, we're early enough in the process that maybe one or two of these players even jumps into the first round. Maybe one of them falls into the third round where they'll be an even better value. But looking at the players who are going to join the NFL next season, that I mean, that's months worth of just pure joy, really. Just so much to look at there, so much fun in terms of bantering back and forth about which guy is going to be the breakout star. So that has been fun. We're in early February here, and there are so many fantasy-related things going on. We talk about it all the time. In some ways, this is the best time of the year. I'm pretty fired up. Yeah, I think it might. The listeners may think, Sean, that it's like a, a trope that we like to do, or it's like a you know a bingo card thing that people have to hit on it. But I think pretty much all the time is our favorite time of the fantasy season. We have numerous favorite times, but this is definitely one of them. And people are excited. And that gets me invigorated. That gets me excited when just before we were recording this, I mentioned to Sean that another person reached out with a quite a detailed email, and we probably will go through that on an upcoming show to discuss a team that they bought in the $250 FFPC Orphan team for a, a Dynasty League and the, the Triflex setup. So uh, it is just uh, so much fun at this time of the year to, to go through that stuff. And Sean, people may be tuning in. They may be saying, like, you know, there was a game this weekend. We want to get that information, get those key takeaways. But unfortunately, Rotoviz Overtime this week is not your place to get those Pro Bowl takeaways. Uh, I caught a couple of clips on Twitter, and a couple of clips has been generous. I'm sure, Sean, you didn't you know, get that on the DVR and you know, go through and, and watch every play. I guess I you mentioned the, the Pro Bowl. I forgot. I forgot it was on, if I'm being honest. It seemed like, <laughs> is, is it a situation where Derek Carr was benched by his team with a couple weeks to go in the season and was still in the Pro Bowl? Sean, there's quite a few people who made the Pro Bowl this year that are, I think it's uh, fraudulent. Well, I mean, I... And that's not Derek Carr. He's probably like, he's vastly more deserving than some of the people I've seen on the list. So you're against the participation trophies. You're going to be one of those people who are like, no, they got to be out there. They got to actually be good. Yeah. You should be in the top like 300 players in the NFL to make the Pro Bowl. <laughs> Colin, is, is the participation trophy, is that a big thing there in Ireland? How are people on your island raising their kids? Is it is it something where all of the – do you have what, – what are the grades there? Is it third, fourth, fifth grade? Is that how you refer to – we, we have a system where it is classed as like first class, second class, but grades and class is just two different words. So it's very, very similar. I don't know. Class almost seems a little bit more a controversial type of term to throw in there. Probably. We're a very classy country over here, Sean. Okay. okay. <laughs> so then you mentioned some of your athletic exploits. Were those things that you did when you were in 
Uh, yeah, I guess I'm not really sure what this. When you were in first class, second class, third class. Yeah, I think I think when I would have been in uh, primary school here, um, which is kind of your first set of school, then you go to our version of high school, it's called secondary school. Uh, I, I think there was much less participation trophies at that time. I think it's become much more common. I mentioned it before the show when we were talking about something else. We are, I don't know if Americanized is the word, but we like, you know, we're, watch a lot of american tv we watch a lot of the same stuff as you're watching and a lot of our news is heavily heavily influenced by the the u.s for example so we're very very close in terms of what's going on so i think we pick up on a lot of the stuff that happens over in the states and eventually maybe a couple of years after it gets over this way so participation trophies are certainly a, a thing at the moment but it's to their own well again and there's nothing wrong with people celebrating i don't know if there should be participation participation trophies in professional sports that's probably that's where you kind of draw the line yeah i think that's where we draw the line okay okay well yeah so the pro bowl probably happened all i know about the pro bowl is that in the previous one we had like an 80 yard touchdown run from mac jones i don't know anything that happened in this current pro bowl sean is still hyping up mac jones from that i I am still hyping mac jones from that it's like he'll probably add some rushing value to your team no the uh no one injured in the pro bowl so we got out of there cleanly is that that's what story. seems to be. I think that's the, the positive. I did see that uh, Stefan Diggs threw a, an interception to his brother, which was interesting. Uh, Sean's not on Twitter, so he probably hasn't seen the you know Arian Foster interview where the NFL is scripted and people are talking about you know following the script and what the person got their script at each participation point or sorry each particular point off the off season. So you know Tom Brady gets drafted, gets to see his script. Can't believe it. You know happy gif. Uh, is out there but uh, so Stefan Diggs said he was just following the script of the Pro Bowl when he threw that interception so it's becoming quite a thing I don't know Sean have you seen that at all have you missed all of this goodness I have Arian Foster is fantastic so anything that he's doing I'm sure one of the best is. fantasy players and fantasy status of all time he is he is and if you know my just but that was scripted on, obviously on that was he was just following the script at that point <laughs> <laughs> right just following the script no, one of the the more interesting players too. I think very sharp person, a uh, little bit of a a renaissance man. If we can say that, I mean, I don't think that you have to know everything in the world to be considered that. Just someone who has multiple interests. So Arian Foster seems like a very cool dude. It uh, if you listen to the end of Stealing Bananas last week, we did have a show column. I know that you were obviously very excited when you got it and saw that it was an hour and a half long then goes into a little bit of a uh i don't want to say diatribe but definitely had some concerns about the officiating so that might also play into the script there no i if stefan Diggs is throwing interceptions that actually sounds like a fantastic pro bowl so i'm sure i'll catch the best pro bowl of all time best pro bowl. okay so I'm sure they'll be replaying it on NFL Network over the next couple of years. Just it's just so fantastic. But people, that was meant to be a bet where I said it and we skipped over it. But I think we've done like six minutes talking about the actual Pro Bowl. So we'll move along. But uh, Sean, the Dynasty Workshop, you talk about the upside, you know, building high upside fireworks to kind of give your Dynasty roster construction that edge. And I always love when I see an article and you know, we can get Garrett Wilson as the poster child for that piece. Uh, what what are we looking at here as we we dive into the early Dynasty Workshop for 2023? So the first piece that I published on that this year looks back 
at the five teams that I have with a variety of really sharp managers in this format. Three of them drafted in 2021, two of them drafted in 2022. Because I want anybody who is reading the series, who is subscribing to Rotoviz, who's listening to the podcasts, and is trying to execute the plan that we've articulated, I want them to know what that looks like in terms of actual teams. I want there to be some accountability in terms of the teams that I'm actually playing. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're winning every year when you talk about accountability, but you need to make sure that people can understand what this looks like and if it appeals to them, if it works with the way that they draft. Because one of the things that you and I try to emphasize pretty consistently is that there are some advantages to something like zero running back in best ball, in redraft. There are some disadvantages, and there are going to be some strengths and weaknesses that will follow along with your particular draft strengths. And so you want to take a philosophy for the different formats, Dynasty, Best Ball, Redraft, DFS, obviously all of those different types of things, and you want to play strategies that fit with your strengths and that minimize your weaknesses because that's the way that you're going to win. You don't want to take a philosophy of someone else, even if they're very successful, if it doesn't fit with the things that you do well and try to execute that, you're going to have some problems. So it's important for people to have that transparency. And it's just kind of fun to go through these teams, see what they look like and see where we are with them. Because you're two years in on three of the teams now, you're one year in on a couple of the other ones. And so we should be starting to see this permanent championship window that we talk about. We should see it starting to open. We should see these looking like power teams or else you do have some problems, right? You've made some serious mistakes and you're going to make some mistakes. But when we talk about serious mistakes, those are mistakes that get you into a position with your roster in your league to where you're three, four years away from being competitive and or you're going to be competitive this season but you're heading toward a cliff. And once you hit that cliff, you won't be competitive for a long time. You're going to be tempted to sell. We don't want to be in a situation where we're selling, right? We're looking for, I mean, you sell veterans, but also sell your team. You don't want to be one of these players who, there are going to be situations where it makes sense to sell your team back. I'm not really re referring to those. You don't want to be in a situation where you feel like you've got to abandon or sell your dynasty team simply because it's no good. It's not going to be fun for a long time. We're looking for the opposite situation from that so in 2021 the draft environment and the startup environment was very favorable for moving back really stockpiling picks building a deep team 2022 that wasn't as much the case because we had the perception that this draft class was going to be fantastic now having gone through as i mentioned tonight the ranking summit there are a lot of fun players in this class the top eight especially i think you can make an argument that these guys are going to be impact players and maybe have fewer questions than some of the players from the previous class overall it's probably not going to be a strong class right so one of the things that you want to do is you want to look at the environment in any given year and see where it's exploitable last season there were opportunities to be aggressive and so the team i did with pat Corain. We were lucky enough to get the third pick. We selected Justin Herbert. That part of it didn't pan out as well as we would have liked. Herbert didn't have a fantastic year. He has lost a little bit of dynasty value. Still one of the most valuable players in Superflex leagues. But we were also able to move up 
and get a second pick in the top tier. So one of the things that I am also working with in this lesson and within this overall context and environment is looking at the Rotoviz Dynasty rankings, which are tiered, give you a sense of how much these players are worth in terms of rookie picks. And that also gives us a sense of where we want to move. How do you need to move within your draft to get up a tier? What would you want to pay? All of those types of things. We were able to get a second tier one player and then make a series of trades to end up with Jamar Chase, to end up with Brees Hall, to end up with Christian McCaffrey, and then fortunately also to end up with Garrett Wilson. And so that team is a team that is set to win right away. We got into the playoffs with that team. It does lose in the first round, <laughs> sort of late in the weekend when Jahan Dotson has the 61-yard catch. That was unfortunate because it went on to score quite a few points later on in the tournament. And one of the things that happens then, the final couple of weeks, you have the four teams competing for total points to be the winner. So we're eliminated, but we're in a position where we have a bunch of foundation players and the trade for Jamar Chase did cost us our first round pick, but we ended up with the 201, the 202, and two other second round picks. We have four second round picks, including two that are kind of in that range where you might consider them to be you know, borderline first rounders. That part of it is important as we look at what we're trying to do with all of the different teams. The second team last season was in a draft where we had a very late pick, had the 111. So that unfortunately puts you in a chasing position right away. It was also a league where most of the drafters were reluctant to make trades. And so unlike the previous drafts, we had to kind of go at it from a different perspective. One thing that you can do when you're in a startup like this is to try and trade out and trade out and trade out and acquire a lot of rookie picks. But the workshop lesson on this particular draft focused on another way you can do it which is you can punt by taking the undervalued rookies in that particular draft. This team ends up with Jalen Hurts, Travis Etienne, Tyler Algier, Jamison Williams, Traylon Burks, Devontae Smith, Jahan Dotson, and then a, a bunch of other young wide receivers as well. Kyle Pitts, Trey McBride. And then, and part of this, we discussed it in the previous show, but a reason to really like this format, you have to compete to get the 101 as opposed to the worst team simply getting the 101. In the back draw, unfortunately here, didn't have Jalen Hurts because he was out during that time period, but did win the back draw. So have the 101 and the 201, you can put Bijan Robinson into this team, and suddenly you're looking at a team that as those rookie wide receivers who were the focal point for this, as Jalen Hurts continues to sort of cement himself, as Travis Etienne takes a step forward, you're hoping with Pitts and McBride that you have a foundation tight end, this team will go from having the 101 by virtue of winning the backdrop to being potentially the best team in the league in year two. If you get stuck with the 111, that's what you're looking to do. Position yourself with a lot of youth, and you don't necessarily have to push it off multiple years. You can punt by taking those young receivers right away as opposed to punting by trying to get future picks. And we don't know where those are necessarily going to land, how good the prospects are going to be, how much impact they're going to have. In their initial season all of that type of thing so column perpetual reloading is the approach that we discuss all the time creating the permanent championship window is our objective but every draft isn't going to be the same 
we don't want to suggest that the same tactics are used in each draft. That's going to cost you a lot of value on all of these marginal types of plays. We want to be flexible. We want to be creative. We're going to employ a wide variety of tactics as we look to accomplish this overriding objective. When we have the five teams in here, there is a lot to go into the quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end positions. We have individual workshops on all of those. We have the future picks that are coming up. What jumps out to you as we look at these five teams? How does this fit with what you're wanting to do with the team that we just took over? I've got a lot of ideas that I want to throw out here in terms of how we can create a framework to really build upon but what are you looking at here in terms of reading this piece looking at these teams and then thinking about what we want to do with the team that we took over which as we mentioned last time it's actually a pretty good team so we don't necessarily have to build it from scratch but we also want to build it out and to create really a superpower that the other teams in our league will have a lot of trouble competing with year in and year out yeah, there's a, there's a couple of things that stand out directly. And the one thing I want to mention in case we forget later on in the show, this will be linked in today's show notes because there is a lot of, I always say about how I like to see things visually, there is a lot of visual data around the team setup. And obviously there's five teams to go through here. The, the question I had, and you know, listeners to the show won't be surprised probably that I target something through with running backs, but all the rosters, Sean, that you've drafted here are heavily involved with wide receivers with between kind of, four to seven running backs in the roster then the, the question I was looking to see the reasoning behind it you mentioned the the roster with pat that is a roster that has seven running backs seven wide receivers five tight ends sorry four tight ends four quarterbacks most of the other rosters aren't built in the same way is there a specific reason why you have that team as level of positions i do think that the other teams which is the majority of the teams is more so the way that i would tend to try and structure with you know three to four quarterbacks three tight ends and the rest then split between wide receiver and, and running back with it being very heavily tilted towards the wide receivers we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. 
This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Right, and so the team that I have with Pat, partly we end up with more running backs at the end because we are very much in position to win this league. And so you're trying to maximize those chances there. You don't want to be weak at a position where you have to start at least two players. It was also a league where we fell into some good values. So we were able to hit on Jared. Yeah, Yeah, we were able to hit Jared McKinnon late. We were able to hit Raheem Mostert late. Unfortunately, Rashad Penny gets hurt, but he's a player we did want to potentially pull through into next season. We can keep 16 of our 20 players here. And we have a few more. You had to players. draft Ronald Jones. It was a Pat Crane team. You have to have Ronald Jones on that team. <laughs> we did. I mean, any anybody who is the flagship uh, player name for the $2 million winner. I mean, Ronald Jones needs to be there. Otherwise, you're not getting the full karmic value of all of that. Jones is someone I actually added late when he did become available. And it looked like he might have a little value and might be a hedge on McKinnon. <laughs> that obviously didn't work out. But then Shuba Hubbard, someone who really did emerge late, he was one of our free agent pickups. Again, the cool element about these leagues, because you have 20 roster spots during the season, managers are going to have to make some choices. There will be some guys in free agency that you really like. We were able to add Hubbard, and he's somebody else I would like to pull through to next season. I was maybe overly high on him coming into the NFL, but his performance in year two, I think, has justified a lot of sort of my personal hype and i think that he has a chance to be maybe not an elite starter but definitely someone who scores fantasy points is sort of a high-end committee back in the future but partly what you're seeing there with the running backs is making sure that we're ready to compete this season in the playoffs and partly it's just where the values were in any given league this is also our weakest team from the wide receiver perspective and part of that again was where were the values in this league what were the other 11 managers doing in the startup because you have to compete with them you don't have the ability to just do whatever you want if those receivers are going a little bit earlier then you have to adjust so Brandon Ayuk basically the third wide receiver here Rondell Moore I think someone who is going to be fantastic in the future he's the wide receiver four but obviously didn't score hardly any fantasy points wasn't available down the stretch wasn't going to be somebody you could play in the playoffs wasn't going to be a, a flex guy any of that chase claypool a miss and so you don't have the receiving firepower that the rest of the teams have you're trying to maximize the starting value of those flex positions and not lose because you don't have enough depth when you have players like a herbert mccaffrey Brees hall obviously goes down and gets hurt so you lose him you need to have more running back depth to balance that out a fun team, a team where if it had stayed a little bit healthier, I think probably would have won. The other thing that really helped this team out is that beyond Herbert, we wanted to go with some veteran QBs and maybe some 
long shot developmental QBs, Daniel Jones, Jerry Goff, both of those guys hit. And so now we're in a situation where we could potentially trade a QB. The fourth QB on this roster is Sam Howell. Still a lot of different directions that this could go, but Howell was able to stick as a fifth round pick. He was able to get that start late in the season. He played well with that start. They don't really have other options. And so it looks like he will at least have a shot again to play next season. And the thing with Howell, and this is a contrast even with some of the very high level or the QBs who are generating a ton of enthusiasm in this upcoming draft, Howell's profile is perfect for fantasy. He was on four of these five teams. And I was just going to bring that up. Yeah, for I was going to say for, for anyone looking for a quarterback, Sean, Sean likes Sam Howell still. I do like Sam Howell. And I think that you want to continue, especially when they're inexpensive, to make that bet on someone it appears originally that our Sam Howell enthusiasm was incorrect. He falls to the fifth round. He doesn't score a lot of points, obviously, in his rookie season. But the benefit of betting on players who have established themselves very firmly with their production in the past, the value of betting on players who have the physical ability to play. In many ways, that's very straightforward, but I do think that we can get caught up at times even too much on looking at where the guys fell, what the NFL thought of them. A lot of those loopholes are closing as NFL teams are much, much, much more sophisticated now than they were a decade ago. But still, when you see fantastic prospects fall, you want to stash them on the back end of your roster, give them a couple seasons. Hubbard is another example not as strong of an example as Howell but talented players and productive players when they get their shot you've got a good chance it's there's still going to be a range of outcomes you're definitely not going to hit every time but we're looking to make sure we have exposure to those types of players because when you hit on a Sam Howell you're basically getting a top three or four pick value out of someone you drafted in the second, maybe the third round. Those players radically transform your roster and will cover up misses. They will cover up players like a Sky Moore. Well, maybe you drafted with enthusiasm because this is the guy the Chiefs wanted and the Chiefs definitely need a wide receiver. That part of the play doesn't work out. If you don't have things to balance that, then the Sky Moore pick can really hurt you. If you do have the balancers, then your portfolio works out over the long term because mostly when you take an evidence-based approach, you're going to be hitting on a lot of guys. So call them the QB position, I think is interesting. There are a lot of different ways to play this. 2022 featured a ton of injuries, a lot of benchings. It was hard to find quarterback production from the players you started the season with. And yet the flip side of that is that there were so many guys that you could go to. And that fit with what I generally like to do, which is to build these teams out in a way where you have one top tier QB, if at all possible, one veteran QB who is arguably undervalued because he's in his thirties, maybe doesn't have the rushing upside, but is a point scorer, someone who can fill that QB two position. So you might think of players like a Derek Carr, like a Jared Goff, like a Kirk Cousins, you know, even maybe like a Matthew Stafford, some of those guys when they're coming off really good seasons are a little bit too expensive, but you have a few of those types of players. And then you have kind of the, the lottery pick 
type of guy. So you have your Sam Howell, you have your Daniel Jones, a player who actually has a fantastic fantasy profile if he can just stick as a starter. If you have those three slots filled on the different teams, then you have a, a lot of flexibility. And then you also go to the backups as they start to emerge into starting positions with the flurry of injuries that you get each season. If you get caught up to where so much of the value of your team is in the two stud QBs, as long as they stay healthy, then your roster has an incredibly high floor, but it can be difficult to build out enough value at the different positions. And especially with a league like this, that's nicely balanced to where you have the two running back starting spots, the three wide receiver starting spots, but then a couple of flex spots, the super flex spot, you have tight end premium. There are a lot of different ways to play this and to score points. And you want to be able to score points across all of those different areas. That QB approach gives you that chance. Not every team is going to be exactly that way because every league isn't going to provide the exact same opportunities. But that type of general template has worked very well. I think will continue to work well. It gives the flexibility that I really like while also having the potential to be a high scoring team at the QB position as you're trying to build a championship window you are going to need qb points and super flex yeah and that's something sean that you tend to do perfectly very often i was thinking yeah the next thing i'm going to try and segue into here is quarterbacks and then sean has gone through it but the uh, the, the big thing with the teams here if you go in and look at the article is sean mentioned jalen hurts he also mentioned uh justin herbert when you look through the rest of the names it is guys like daniel jones jared goff sam howell as he mentions on four of the five teams mac jones is in there and a couple of teams guys like that so you're getting those starter points when they're in there. You, I, I also, well, Kyler Murray is probably the other high-end quarterback, Sean, that is, is on this list. But I think that that gives you so many more resources at wide receiver, at tight end, and the replacement value of some of those quarterbacks you know, tends to be very, very similar. So I, I think that, like we talked about on our show when we talked through our, our team in the first part of the, the Dynasty series, I do think when we look through our team in a, a couple of weeks, we're probably going to see a very similar lineup to these guys because I think it will allow us to add in those kind of uh, premium wide receiver running back talents. The other thing I want to mention to listeners, Sean, you have mentioned this on a couple of shows, just in passing, kind of glances in there, but Rondell Moore is somebody we're going to have to dive into in some of these upcoming shows. Sean has dropped a few hints there, I think, <laughs> for anyone listening to the show, try and acquire Rondell Moore onto those Dynasty rosters. The other thing I want to do is let you know about our friends over at Underdog. We will be jumping into Sean's final thoughts here to wrap the show up. But the easiest way to get in on the big game, obviously we have the big game this weekend, is on Underdog Fantasy and their Pick'em game. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and app, and they're making it even easier with a special pick for the big game. Starting on Thursday, February the 9th at 10 a.m. Eastern, you'll be able to make a special pick on Jalen Hurts, higher or lower than 0.5 total yards in the game. That's 0.5 yards. He literally needs one yard, Sean. One yard or higher, and you win this bet. So pair this with at least one other correct pick with a max bet of twenty dollars and you can be taking home some cold hard cash sign up today with our promo code rotoviz to get your first deposit doubled up to one hundred dollars visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store and don't forget to register with the promo code rotoviz to get your first deposit doubled up to one hundred dollars must be 18 plus and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates terms apply concerned with your play call 1-800-522-4700 or visit ncpgambling.org. 
Sean, the other part that you mentioned in the article, you already touched on it, is the perpetual reloading, which is a key concept when we talk through this. I know some people maybe new even to the podcast, maybe their first time hearing that. Obviously, trying to keep that championship window open and permanent is what that leads to. So you have two core questions that I'm going to finish up on here, get your thoughts on them. You mentioned, can you show enough patience in your league's early years that you build a broad enough base of assets to eventually open a multi-year championship window? And the other one is, once you open that championship window, do you have the patience and discipline to move assets in such a way that the window stays open permanently? So as we talk through our team, you mentioned Justin Jefferson at the start of the show. He is somebody who's obviously entering his prime at this point, but there is going to be a certain point, and that may even be this offseason where we decide to move him for a substantial offer to keep that window open or to widen that window. I think they are two of the biggest challenges that people have. And you mentioned at the start of the show that sometimes people may get into a situation where maybe their team has aged out. It's, you know, too many veterans on it. And that whole, you know, tear down, rebuild process starts rather than a continual chance to win. You want to have, you know, over your four or five years, you want to be having a realistic chance of winning, you know, four to five of those years rather than one where kind of try and go all in and then all of a sudden you're back to square one those obviously have been a key concept that we've talked about the entire history of ot here your entire history of the dynasty workshop what do you think makes it so hard for people to stick to those two rules it's hard in part because once your team gets close then the instinct to push that last bit and to take some of the opportunities to add veteran players, especially veteran players who are mildly discounted. We had Mike Leone on the show last season and had a really interesting discussion about a league that he and I are in together where essentially my team and Anthony Amico's team had separated from the field to the extent where a lot of the other managers needed to sell and so Anthony and I are actually going to get very good prices on compelling veterans. So he and I are almost in this arms race to take all of the top veteran guys, but that does require us to give away some future assets. The veteran players this past year performed pretty well. So we are tempted to say, well, they aged well and you got a lot of the same scoring. He and I did finish first and second. Anthony, congratulations on the victory there so there are going to be incentives for you when you have a powerful team to continue to move in that direction the problem comes in that at some point the players do get older and the injuries create so much randomness that you don't necessarily know you're going to benefit from those trades but you do know that the veterans are going to eventually stop scoring points i'm not saying that there are never cases where you wouldn't make some of those moves. And I did make some of those moves in that particular league. But in the vast majority of our situations, we want to be willing to sell and even sell to other people we're competing with as we go down the stretch if it will make our team stronger in the future. If you have a 10-year run where you have a buy in five of the years and you're in the playoffs all 10 years, because of how random the scoring can be as we get down to these final games, that's going to give you a better chance than trying to maximize the value of your roster in a one or two year sprint to get to the top total points that you can. And one of the things that happened this season is that on these five dynasty teams, the injuries to key players were 
at a really high level. The team that I have with Ben, we lose Kyler Murray. That's a playoff team that really isn't in position to go win at that point because you lose the highest scoring player on your roster. I mentioned the injuries that we had with the team with Pat. The teams that I had with Blair and with Monty were just strafed by injuries early. And so we had to make the decision to pivot and try and build out the depth even further. It would have been a very frustrating dynasty campaign on this group of teams. It had some other teams that did very well because the injuries were not concentrated on those rosters. And so then you win with those. With these five teams, it would have been very frustrating if not for the fact that they're pointed at the present, but also at the future. And so you think about these rosters here and the team that I have with Ben that is built with a foundation that has players like Kyler Murray, Saquon Barkley, has Garrett Wilson, Chris Godwin, Drake London, Rontel Moore. It has the Sky Moore pick, has Elijah Moore, three or four more other wide receivers, but it has Pat Fryermuth and Greg Dulcich. So again, as we're kind of looking at this, just sort of quick notes as we go through, it's a similar type of build at the other positions where trying to have one star foundation running back and then some contingency-based guys, you want to have one sort of youngish star tight end and then a couple of players who could break out. And then the real team is built through young wide receivers. So that's sort of the template that we're employing on all of these teams. But then as you go through a couple of seasons, you're able to build that pick depth. So this team not only has those players, it has the 104, the 107, the 108, the 23, 24, 26, 27, 28, 210, three thirds, two fourths, three fifths. You're looking at this team has like 20 picks in the upcoming rookie draft. So that team will be able to have 36 players on it throughout the summer. You're obviously not going to be able to keep all of those guys. You're going to move some of those picks into 2024. You're going to move some of those players onto other rosters and potentially get yourself a second star running back if, in fact, you weren't able to land him in the draft. You're going to be able to build through that. And when you have that amount of rookie pick value, it's difficult to not spin it out into the future. Whereas the situation that you were, you and I are in, we have this really good team that we purchased, but it has the 111, the 211, the 311. Those picks are not going to be as easy to move into a large number of picks. So then we have to look at the players on the roster and try and figure out how we can build more depth into it. Now, in the Triflex, one of the interesting problems that you have to solve is that because you can have 20 players, there is some value in concentrating what you have onto those 20 guys, but that concentration and the flexibility will work together when you have so many different chances to do things. When you have those 20 picks that I just mentioned, if you select a sky more, you are covered in a way that you're not if you don't have those picks that not only you're making in the present and then you're spinning into the future. So then the team that I have with Monty is one that doesn't have a star QB but has a lot of young guys, including the Sam Howell. That one has fallen into some really nice running back value where we have Jonathan Taylor, Mondre Stevenson, Tyler Algier, Devin Singletary. So especially the top couple guys, very exciting there. We have four or five young star receivers, the receiver value through the roof. And then just has Trey McBride. You and I love Trey McBride. We'll see if that ends up being something. But that team has the 101. So we can go the QB route. We can take Bijan and simply have this powerhouse team at running back. But it has the 112, 201, 22, 26, 27, 212, three thirds, three fourths, around six again so much pick value to work with 
you can't get that pick value unless you're willing to make trades and sometimes trades that are difficult at the time. If it were easy and if there were no trade-off, then everybody would do it. Obviously, everybody can't do it because there are a limited number of picks. If you have most of them, then other managers in your league can't have them. Look at the team with Blair. It's a Daniel Jones, Derek Carr, Mac Jones team. Now, the Daniel Jones has blown up. Mac Jones has moved down a little bit. Carr probably there in neutral. It could use a QB, but it also has a lot of these other interesting outs. And it's an ETN Dobbins team. That team's going to look a lot better, you would expect, in 2023. It's another team that has – this team has six wide receiver one candidates. That team has the 102, the 103. So, I mean, that could be Young and Stroud. It could be a situation where you're taking some position players and, again, kind of going with a little bit weaker QB position and seeing how it evolves throughout the course of the season. But then the 2-2, two, 2-3, two, 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 six round threes. All right, six round threes. And you say, well, how are you going to use all of those? There are a lot of guys who emerged late this season who will be in that as well as the rookies. With the six R3s, you have the best chance to hit on all these guys like a Howell, a Pacheco. Maybe a Romeo Dobbs said, well, Dobbs slowed down the stretch. Do you even want to use a roster spot on him? But you have the flexibility there and to, again, move those guys into the future. The teams that were just drafted this last season don't have quite as many picks because you haven't had the time to kind of build that perpetual motion machine, but they're moving in that direction. I mentioned the team with Pat has four round twos, including the top two, three R threes, three R fours, two R fives. And that's the team that made the trade to get Jamar Chase. And so it has those picks in addition to him. And so Colin, we have this template where we're trying to get a top player, a tier one or two player, at each position, but also so much rookie pick value that will facilitate future trades, the more that we can establish ourselves as easy to trade with. And easy to trade with doesn't necessarily mean that you're giving people great deals. You're going to give them fair deals, but you're going to give them a lot of deals and you're going to give them the ability to make moves that allow them to accomplish their objectives. The more tradable pieces that you have, the easier it is to make moves. You get yourself kind of stuck with a roster where you kind of are above the market on all of your guys. One of the things I think is kind of interesting about our current team here is that perhaps it is a little bit tricky to trade because you have running backs in Raheem Mostert and Damian Harris and Alexander Madison. Those guys are probably going to be worth more. We're going to be a little bit more interesting to other managers after we find out where they land if alexander madison were to somehow find him hips way onto a roster where he's in a committee maybe his trade value jumps if damian harris finds himself in a situation where he is a starter again maybe his trade value jumps antonio gibson in that kind of weird situation with washington he's probably locked into an unfortunate level but antonio gibson is someone where two years from now maybe his value jumps like a penny jumped at that one point so I mean, those guys may be tricky to trade. And so then we have to look at, are we willing to make difficult decisions? Are we willing to move a Justin Jefferson? Are we willing to move a Jalen Waddell? George Pickens and Jamison Williams, two guys with values absolutely through the roof. If we trade them now, we won't get to see the immense upside that they could eventually unlock. But maybe we can trade them for three things. And then suddenly we have a lot more flexibility. Anybody we trade them to is going to have to be 
an opposing manager who values them, maybe not at the same level, but at least similarly. Right? I think a lot of times people get locked in this idea of, okay, this is what the trade calculator is telling me the player is worth. I can really only approach other managers with this is the value. And since I'm above that value, this guy is more or less untradeable as opposed to just being open with the rest of the league and saying, look, we're above the market. And so if you come to us with trades, that probably won't work. We know that some of you are also above the market. If you're above the market and this player fits better for you than it does for us, then we can make something work out here. And so being able to have those discussions as opposed to getting locked into, okay, this is what the trade calculator is telling me. Again, that will give you the opportunity to make some moves. That's not going to always work. You're going to have some discussions with opposing managers. And in the end, they come back with a trade you just don't like. And if you spent some time on it, then that part can be frustrating. But it does need to come back to the basic point of you've got to enjoy the trade process if you want to be involved in these dynasty teams. If you do like talking with managers in your league, you know, learning a little bit about them, you know, rooting for their team when it's not directly against you during the season, all of those kinds of things, that is what really unlocks the entertainment value, the enjoyment value, but also your ability to make moves and to build this type of permanent championship window that I think you can see with those teams that have so much rookie pick value on top of having strong rosters that the future looks bright and you can withstand those injury plagued seasons because you know that this wasn't your one shot. You're going to have a shot again next year and the next year and the next year and the team is just going to keep getting better. Yeah, no, that's very, very well said. And obviously we're talking in this about the FFPC Rotoviz Triflex Leagues. This can be done across all leagues. There is some differences. Sean mentioned like the roster cutdowns. You may be in a league where you can have 28 players all season long, but there is still all those processes can be added and accumulating those picks, trying to have those young players building in for the upside. It all works. And I mentioned earlier, this will be linked in today's show notes. The other part that Sean has in this is the team, then the 22 recaps so how things are going so far, the biggest in-season moves that they made, giving you all the information on those, the big picture moving forward, and then obviously the future plan. So there's a lot of individual breakdowns for each of these teams, and I think that can be applied to all teams in all formats. So head on over, check that out on rotoviz.com. If you are signing up and you haven't already done so, you can save yourself a 10% discount by using the code RVRADIO2023 at checkout. Save yourself 10% off a Rotoviz NFL pass. Get you access to all of the content on the site, including Sean's rankings, which he mentioned earlier, which are the tiered approach. So you can check those out as well. That is going to take us to the end of today's show. We will be back with two more shows later this week. Sean will be back with Stadium Bananas with Ben Gretz as well. So check that out. Make sure you are subscribed to both podcast feeds to get those once they are available. We will have, of course, some Super Bowl talk on both of those. We will have our second part of our Dynasty Reanimator series as well. So all that to look forward to later in the week. But until we are back, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>